Well, good morning, everybody. It's a special delight and a privilege to be sharing with you this morning. I have this passion in me that before we even look at the things that God is doing worldwide in mission, that we take a look at his word and why we would even want to be involved in mission and we just spend some time in his presence and ask that he would speak to us from his word. So let's just spend a moment in prayer and then let's have a look at that passage that was just read. Let's pray. Jesus, you are here with us. Your life taught us so many things, but we forget so quickly. As we look at your word again today, I pray that you will speak to each and every heart. Refresh, cleanse, renew us. I thank you for the blessing of this church and all that you're doing in this community and globally through them. Encourage them. Thank you for the new kitchen, Father, and the ministry that that can bring and those who serve in it. And as we go from here today, as we, the church, walk out from behind these walls into your world, may we live what we learn for your glory in your name. Amen. Now, I asked the kids to use their imagination. I'm going to ask you to use your imagination as well. I've called this the gospel in miniature, but I want you to imagine, first of all, that you are the man with leprosy. Try to put yourself into his skin. Feel what he is feeling. You look at yourself and you despise yourself because you are disfigured from head to toe with this awful, debilitating, dehumanizing disease. And you acquired it quite innocently, but you carry a sense of guilt because anybody who touches you may, according to their law, they thought, catch that disease. So you are contagious, not just for a few weeks, but for the rest of your life. That has an impact psychologically on how you view yourself and what you're allowed to do. You cannot come to church to worship. You cannot talk with your neighbours. You cannot even enter your own home anymore. You are banished to the outskirts of the town where people will not have to contact you very often. And you are forced to wear rags and you must cover your mouth. And if anybody comes too close, you must call out a warning, unclean unclean so they will stay away and you cannot work you are dependent on charity and if people come and they put something down for you you see fear and you see pity in their eyes and you despise and you hate your life the man in this story has had leprosy for a long time because it's an advanced disease that covers his entire body and when he sees that it's Jesus who is coming toward his town, he, he comes close and he falls on his face before him and he begs him. It's interesting, he doesn't ask to be healed. He says, he asks, he begs to be made clean. And I guess if all of your life, every day, you're calling out, unclean, unclean, stay away, don't come close to me, the one thing you long to be able to call out is, clean, 
I'm clean and have fellowship with humanity again. For this man, there's no doubt that Jesus can do this impossible ask. He's been to every doctor. There is no cure for him. But news of Jesus has reached even the outskirts of the town and his miracles have amazed this man. Nobody else has power like this man has. In fact, Jesus is his only hope. The only hesitation is, will he want to? This pitiful, disfigured person that he's become. Will he want to come close? Will he care what happens for him? I want you to imagine now that you're a disciple or one of the crowd. And this beggar, this leper has dared to come right where you are and fall on his face in the dirt. So what's your response, your reaction? Is it revulsion? Is it like, how dare you come that close? Or is it compassion for this um, disfigured human creature in front of you? And then Jesus. Jesus does the unthinkable. Before he pronounces healing on this man, he reaches down and he touches him. Now, if you're still imagining that you are that leprous man, can you imagine what that touch would mean? Here is a person who is whole, who is wonderful, miraculous, and he is showing you in everything he is doing that he accepts you as somebody made in the image of God who is worthy of love, worthy of touch. I imagine that that man never forgot that moment in all of history, in all of his life. He would remember that touch. Somebody loved him, unafraid, when he was at his worst. And Jesus says those beautiful words, For this man, I am willing, be clean. And the transformation is instantaneous and he is totally cleansed. I find it interesting that the Pharisees and the priests, the religious leaders, often complained that Jesus didn't keep the law. That was the thing they had against him. He doesn't keep the law. And it's very interesting because he created the law. He wrote the law, he intimately knew the law and he knew how to correctly apply it with the heart of God's love. And he says to this man, you need to go and show yourself to the priest because the priest is like the health inspector and only after he says you're clean and pronounces that you can join the community again could he be reinstated in the temple, in his community and most wonderfully with his family. But what we sometimes miss in this story is the cost, the significance of Jesus' touch. The law said that if you touch, the reason they had to cry out, unclean, unclean, keep your distance, is because if you touched a person who is unclean, you are now unclean. And so you are the one also 
who has to segregate yourself from society because of that touch. And it's interesting to read in verse 16 that Jesus withdrew to a quiet place to pray because he has now transferred his goodness onto this man in the dirt. And the man in the dirt, his uncleanness has been transferred across to Christ. You know, that is a picture, really, of what Jesus did for each one of us. The true state of our soul is unclean, unclean, unworthy to be in God's presence. The things we talked about in the kids' uh, thing about, you know, loving others, it's only really possible with God's love in us. God knows the state of our heart. And Jesus, in going to the cross, took the uncleanness that is us, all of our sin. He took it on himself. He made himself unclean. The Bible says, cursed is every man who hangs on a tree. And he was cursed. Not even God looked at him on the cross as he carried the uncleanness that's true of each one of us. And in that moment, when we believe, he transfers his goodness, his cleanness onto us. And God holds his arms open wide and says, I made you, I loved you. And because you believe in my son, you're part of my family. You're a child of God. You are welcome. And your slate, your record of all the sins you've ever committed is wiped clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. The beautiful cost of Jesus that he took for us should transform our lives. It should challenge and change us that God forgives the unforgivable. So has somebody done something wrong against us? Forgive, says God. He forgave you so much more than you will ever be asked to forgive. If somebody is unworthy in the world's eyes, don't forget, made in God's image, whatever they look like on the outside, whatever their disability or whatever their state, God loves them, one he has made, one he treasures, one he gave his son for. One more I just wanted to think about, John the Baptist, who gave his life to point to Jesus as the Lamb of God. He's in prison and he's wondering, is it all worth it? What I gave my life for in following what God's calling was on my life, is it worth it? And he sends his disciples and they see Jesus in action and they see the blind having their sight restored, the deaf can hear, the lame can walk and the lepers are healed. Even the dead are raised to life and they go back rejoicing to tell John he is the promised Messiah, the one of God, sent of God. I was blessed very recently to be with Grant Spangenberg on the Holy Lands tour and we had a Jew as our guide, an Israeli guide, and we asked her, are you a Christian? And she said, I am a Messianic Jew. As I read the Bible, I cannot come to any other conclusion except that Jesus fulfilled every prophecy ever made about our Messiah. He is our Messiah. 
There are 30,000 Messianic Jews in Israel out of a population of 9 million. A few more yet to know the love of God. Now, you wonderfully supported our Walk for Hope. And I don't know if you heard all of Sati's story, and some of you might not have, so I wanted to share it one more time. Sati, um, Indo-Fijian, living in Fiji, and she had an incredible crippling pain in her stomach for five years. And she'd been to every doctor. She'd had every religion she could think of come and pray for her. And nothing had worked. And it was a neighbour I hope you get the significance of that. It was a neighbour who said to her, how about I ask my pastor, would you let my pastor come and pray for you? And she said, well, it can't hurt. I've tried everything else, but it won't work. And when Pastor Raj, one of our um, pastors at Vuti Road Church in Fiji, came to her house, she said, "I, I just want you to pray that I will die so I'll be rid of this pain. And he asked her to bring a glass of water So she poured some water. He prayed over that glass of water and asked her to drink it, and she drank it. And then he prayed over her. And amazingly, God healed her. It's the same story as the man in the dirt asking Jesus, will you, are you willing? And he is willing. The thing I love about the stories from our partners is they believe what's written in God's word should be what's happening today, and it is a simple faith, a simple trust in God, and people are coming to faith. So thank you for standing with us and being part of that. Our partners are really encouraged when they hear that churches are praying for them, when churches are walking in solidarity with them and and supporting them in what they're doing. And that's just a beautiful thing. I heard uh, Grant goes to, uh, is the minister at Murray Bridge Church of Christ. They had 50 to 60 people walk the bridge in Murray Bridge. It's a testament to the community as well as we walk. Now, last year we told the story of Agnes and how she was 15 kilometres from her church and there's no public transport, no car to get her there. And so she would walk it. And that takes a long time to walk 15 kilometres to get to church And so when they built a church only seven kilometres away from her, she was super excited. She was there helping to lay the foundation of the church. Our support from last year's Walk for Hope built a pastor's house, a church office. It bought a second-hand truck and those bricks behind are building a children's ministry centre in Zimbabwe. Thank you for your support for that. I was really encouraged to see how children's ministry is blossoming in just about every church in Zimbabwe. They're going through huge economic challenges, but it's growing amazingly. And it was lovely to see that one of our pastors was a woman who got a motorbike that we helped to support. The the evangelist will be able to tell you the day that we provided a motorbike for them because it's the most exciting day of their year when they get given a motorbike so they can travel their circuit so much more efficiently. And so he said, um, this is from Evangelist Mabimba, um, he said, can you let the people know that donated my motorbike that they've made my day? And that's just lovely to hear that he's being effective in his ministry for God's glory. At the end of March, BJ Mapofu, who is a key leader for the Associated Churches of Christ there in Zimbabwe, sent back and said, um, last weekend there were four evangelists that met together and they prayed together and they asked God for a new preaching point for new people to come to faith in God. 
And so they spent the entire weekend preaching. Um, it was 40 kilometres, if you know Zimbabwe, 40 kilometres from Bashavane toward Bulawayo, a brand new area they hadn't been in. And they were preaching the entire weekend. And after that, 37 people were baptised. And it's just lovely to hear of God transforming lives in these countries. For those of you who take the Safe Water September Challenge or support it, thank you. It makes a huge difference when fresh, clean water can flow from underground, not contaminated by animals and others drinking from the same dam. And it's close by. It makes such a difference. And it means that families have really good food to eat and they can sell the excess to help um, for them to survive as well. Um, sometimes the beautiful thing that comes out of Safe Water September as it did in Repember, we built five wells in that area. And there was a, a community there that said, who provides these wells? How come they're building them for us? How come we have this lovely facility? And they said it's because of the church. The church, even people from overseas support us so we can give you clean water. And so their response was, can we have a church here like that? So the good that the giving, the praying, the, the prayers and the um, care that you offer makes a difference in people's lives a long way away. But I know precious and close to your heart is Kailishli Children's Village. And this afternoon in our time, but their time it will be morning, they'll be meeting for church. Young people being trained to be godly leaders. And many of the young people lead those services. Wednesday night they have a junior youth that meet and pray and have devotions. And every night in each of the community houses in the village there, the children have devotions and they learn about God. I was asking Mrs. Vuma what's the latest news and she said we've actually given up from the 1st of April. We're not renting the office in Bulawayo, which is where they used to. So you might have met Tembi. Some of you might have met Tembi who worked in the office. They're not renting the office anymore. They've moved it all out to the farm. So Mrs. Vuma is right there where it's happening um, a lot more as well. So that's uh, a saving for them as well. And she said our butternut crops and our cabbages are almost ready to be picked. They're all doing really well. So that was lovely to see. And she said at the moment we're milking 14 cows and that's 106 litres of milk a day. Now I know these kids are really precious because you support these two from the church and I'm really grateful for what that means in their lives for the future. I know Petros is significant as well. I think you've got his picture because some of you support individually as well. And Felix and Petros were studying psychology at the Midland State University. So they're um, sort of mid-20s, I think now, these guys, and they've just finished their, their course. And Felix does have work. Petros is still to get a job, so we keep praying for him. Um, but they will actually have their graduation ceremony mid-July. So she's going to send through some more photos when that happens. But that's just lovely to see godly men going on um, and serving. And newest kids, from the 17th of April, two new children arrived at KCV. Beauty and awe. I don't know if I'm going to say this right. Non can you say? I don't know if that's how you say her name. But those two kids arrived. Beauty's mum was disabled and not very healthy and not really able to care for Beauty. 
So um, she was referred to the Department of uh, Children's Welfare and she came on the 17th of April and her mum passed away on the 8th of May. So remember Beauty, it's not easy. She's only about five years old, so she's very new. For non Kenyuso, it was her teacher at school that noticed that she was being physically abused and reported it to the Department of Children's Welfare. And so they went to find out what was happening. Her mum is thought to be in jail in South Africa and her maternal grandma was looking after her and abusing her, not really wanting her. And so the grandma fled when she knew that they were on to her and so the department's placed her at KCV as well. It's always challenging to lose family and suddenly you're with a new family and loving as it is, it takes time to adapt. So pray for them. But I'm always amazed as I look at those kids and I know you've seen this next video clip before but I just wanted you to see it again, that hope springs when they know that God does love them and has a plan for their life and he hasn't abandoned them. So we're just going to watch this clip one more time of what kids dream of at KCV. And I know some of you send them birthday cards and Christmas cards and that's a joy for them to open those and know that people somewhere else across the world know their name, know their story, pray for them and love to hear their news. In July, John Gilmore, our executive officer, is taking a team across to Zimbabwe so those people will get to see Kailishli Children's Village. They'll get to see the showers of blessing wells, the rural churches, meet some of the evangelists and pastors. That typically happens every either one or two years. So if any of you would like to think about going, consider it maybe for the future. And we are very privileged in that BJ and Chippo are going to be in Australia. At the end of September, they will be in Adelaide. So I'll be keeping you posted with all the news of where you can catch up um, and hear BJ and Chippo. We also support children in South Sudan and it was lovely that we were able to put a wall and some gates around the school just to make it super safe for the kids. One of the projects there for them is helping provide goats. So the caregivers are given three goats, a billy goat, two nanny goats, so that they can reproduce and from the selling of the goats or the meat from those to feed them as well, but the selling of the goats helps to provide school fees. So it becomes self-sustaining um, for the children there. It's been lovely to hear about the benefits of the Lafosse Peace Building Conflict Resolution um, group that they've set up. So young people in high school are hearing that it doesn't have to be conflict between tribes. You can actually choose peace. You can talk things out rather than fighting things out. And it's just been beautiful to hear for that for the last year, their latest peace agreement in South Sudan has held, which has been beautiful and not always true. But it started with two ministers from two different tribes agreeing, this is stupid, we should not be fighting. We're in God's family, we should be loving one another. And they set up the Lafosse Peace Building um, Group. When I, I grew up on a farm and when I saw that our plough project was providing ploughs like this, we always do a survey and ask what they want and that's what they wanted. Um, I'm thinking that wouldn't do much, would it? And then I saw what they had to start with originally and thought, yes, that probably would do a little bit more than, than what that one would do. So it's been lovely to see them actually ploughing and finding that they can grow eight times as much um, as a result because they can put it in earlier and better. 
Now, we talked last time I was here about the volcano that happened on Umbai and the effect of that and how it was good to provide food and vouchers and relief, do trauma healing workshops so they could process what their experiences were, talk about what to do in future. On our Coco Christmas giving, we put a little spot where people could write a note of encouragement and we told Leah's story of how she had a fish farm and she didn't want to leave it, but then the acid rain came and they all died. And as a response to that story, Lucy from Tasmania, she's 10, wrote this lovely little note saying, I was really sad and sorry to hear about your fish. And so she wrote this note to Leah to say that they were praying and thinking and giving so that people like her could have somewhere safe to be after the volcano. So the, the water tanks were put in at Leah's community, so that was hers. And Leah wrote this note back to say, we praise God for you, for the vouchers for food, for the water tanks, for caring for us and praying for us, which was lovely to hear. Now, I believe last week you helped to celebrate as well. It's been National Reconciliation Week for our Indigenous. And um, I think you can just see that we've got one, it's sort of a white-haired face, on the right there, no, your left, <laughs> um, who is our partnership coordinator in WA. And these were the group that came across from our churches in WA to Melbourne for surrender. And I just wanted to highlight that in October in Adelaide at Marion Church of Christ, there'll be a surrender here. It's a great chance to hear Indigenous stories and build relationship with Indigenous people. So you might like to keep that in mind as well. Now, Jenny's got a lot of beautiful things out the back um, that Nate's already mentioned. But the women that actually make a lot of these products, there's going to be an opportunity toward the end of the year for a team from South Australia to go and meet Fiona and see the women at the Bright Solutions. So just keep that in your mind. If you will be interested in going as part of a team, just let me know. I know that you get our newsletter and on the back of that there is a story from one of the house mums at KCV about what it means to be a house mum. There's a whole lot more that I haven't talked about. Thank you for your support for great gifts. There's an annual report if you'd like it about all of that. But thank you so much for partnering together to bless the nations through your love for God. Thank you.